Welcome to the Soto Health and Wellness Podcast. We are the Soto Brothers. I am Samuel Soto, Doctor of Physical Therapy. And I am Joseph Soto, a physician. Together, we are board-certified medical providers who specialize in internal medicine and physical therapy. Our mission is to promote longevity, health span, and wellness in order to prevent illness and injury so we can optimize the human experience. Any information on diseases and treatments available at this channel is intended for general guidance only and must never be considered a substitute for advice provided by a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. Hello and welcome to the Soto Health and Wellness Podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing the vegan diet. What's going on, Joe? Hey, what's up, Sam? How's everything? Pretty good. Uh, I appreciate the, uh, the link you sent me to the uh, Philadelphia Half Marathon registration. That was a little bit unexpected. Yep. Um, I'm glad you're doing it. Uh, I'm going to start training for it because I'm definitely not ready. But uh, it should be fun. Yeah. Well, it's my first half marathon as well. Um, my girlfriend convinced me to do it. Well, it was kind of half and half. I wanted to do, I've always wanted to do an endurance activity. And I thought, what better time than now? You know, I've been training. I'm in good health. I have the time. So I thought it would be a good idea to do a half marathon. And a half marathon is not that bad, you know. I think a full is way worse. Yeah. Yeah, definitely harder. Like 20, a full marathon is what, 26 miles? 26.2 miles. And the half is like, what, 13 point something, right? Yeah, 13.1. That's doable. Yeah, we could do it. lots of training. Good nutrition. I think we could do it. Yeah, right? as long as you don't eat processed food, you can do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, great way to start. No processed hey, food, guys. Hey, guys. Mar- I got a challenge for everybody. You guys following our content, we challenge you to a half marathon. Yeah, let's do it. Everybody sign up for the Philadelphia race. Uh, November 19th, 7 a.m. We will see you there. We'll support each other and uh, start training. Let's do it. And we'll give you a shout out if you, if you guys decide to do it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, Joe, did you see that video on the uh, Rich Roll podcast? I think that's what the guy's name is. Yeah, Rich Roll. Um, where he interviewed that cent- the centenarian that uh, runs marathons and does pull-ups. Yeah, I saw it. I, I actually watched the whole thing from start to finish. And I thought it was excellent. You know, I, I like, I'm a big fan of Rich Roll. I think he has a great podcast. And yeah. uh, I thought, you know, the guy's 100 years old and he's running five miles at a time. Yeah, I mean, crazy. I know people who are in their twenties who can't even run a mile. I know it's really about the habits that we do from you know from when we're young all the way to we die. Yeah, matters. And he started so, running at age eighty-eight. Yeah, yeah. So what's so, your what's your excuse, guys? There's no excuses. Age is just a number. Yep. Your mentality and your mindset is king. So, anyways, we got that out of the way. I'll start training. We'll do it. We'll get it done. Today, we're going to talk about the vegan diet. We are going to talk about the benefits of the vegan diet, or the harms of the vegan diet, some common misconceptions, and all that glitters may not always be gold. So, Joe, tell us a little bit about the vegan diet, you know, when, where, how it started, and how it got so popular, especially uh, more recently. You know, we've been hearing a lot about this diet, so go ahead and tell us about it. Yeah, definitely. So the vegan diet, just as the word suggests, veganism is the root is vegan, meaning plants, 
like vegetarian. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually a, a root from Latin. And, you know, what the word says is basically it's a practice of abstaining from the use of animal products. And it's also an associated philosophy. So we, we tend to think of vegetarianism and veganism as just people who, who don't eat animal products. But it's also more than that. It's actually like a philosophy. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, it has to do with like the ethical treatment of animals and the way that we treat animals. So, you know, it, it's, it's both, it's both, it has two meanings. And there's different types of veganisms out there. There's what's called strict vegetarians or vegans, which don't consume any eggs, meat, dairy products, or any other animal-derived substance. Then you have ethical vegans, and those are basically people who are also plant-based, but they also extend their philosophy into other areas, uh, such as they avoid, you know, products that are from animals, you know, clothing. Yeah, certain like toiletries, stuff like that. And then there's a third category, which is environmental veganism. And that refers to people who avoid animal products because they believe that it's ruining the environment. And we'll get much more into that as we, as we go on. Mm -hmm. Now, when, when did this all start? So it could be traced back up to the Indus Valley civilization, which was a, it was a civilization that was from India, ancient India. And this is going back to like 3000 BC. This is around the time of the Egyptians um, that they started to, to adopt this, this veganism. And it was very common among Indian philosophers. Okay. And to this day, you know, most of India is actually vegetarian and it has to, it came from that time period. And it also the Hindus believe in not eating uh, beef and, you know, cow products. So that's really where it came from. And then, so how did it make it to, to the U.S. and Europe? That basically happened in the 1800s, where it really became a significant movement in Britain and in the U.S. Uh, 1960s, 1970s was a very, very, very powerful movement as well. Vegetarian movement emerged as part of the counterculture in the U.S. As you guys know, that was the Vietnam era, uh, civil rights, Martin Luther King. There was a lot going on in the U.S. And that's really when the vegan movement really took hold. And a lot of people were becoming distrustful of the government uh, regarding the, the corporations, food producers. A lot of people started getting interested in organic gardening. So that was really like the tipping point for ve veganism. It was the, the 60s and 70s, although it's been around for thousands of years. And, you know, a lot of scientists help propel this whole veganism. Uh, so you may have heard of some of these scientists uh, by the name of Dean Ornish. Neil Bernard and Colin Campbell. And they all argued that, that animal products were not good for you based on, based on epidemiological studies that we discussed already. And then in the 2010s, which is about 10 years ago, it really became mainstream. Um, mm -hmm. From the year 2005 to 2010, the global mock meat market increased by 18%. So mock meat is like your Beyond Burger, Impossible Burger, you know, a lot of these uh, food-like substances that we see being um, advertised. And then you have a lot of the, you know, Netflix, you know, they, they came out with uh, Game Changers, Cowspiracy, uh, uh, Forks Over Knives. These are all, these were all films um, produced to, to support the vegan movement. So that's just, a, that's a little overview of, of veganism, yeah. the history. Do you have anything to add to that, Sam? I mean, just a quick comment on the meat market. Um... Uh, I actually just saw 
a video that Sean Baker posted online that uh, that says that they're going to start taxing meat a lot more nowadays, which I found really crazy because, you know, we've been eating meat for, for, for thousands and thousands of years. They're going to tax uh, meat? Yeah, they're going to start increasing taxes and meat. I, I don't know where it was. Maybe Canada I could be wrong. But if you look up Sean Baker's video that he posted, it, but there's going to be a hike in meat. Did they, did they explain why they're doing that? To be, I didn't watch the full video, but you got to look more into it. But I, I saw it and I was just like, this is crazy. How nah, they, how, why are they doing this? You know? We, we got to talk about that on this podcast because I don't like the sound of that. This doesn't sound good. But yeah, the Game Changers documentary, I'm not going to lie. Okay. I, so I've done many different diets. And the reason I do it is because to see, I want to see how my body reacts to it. Right. So for an entire year, I followed a pescatarian diet and I ate mostly fish. And then I also tried a vegan diet for 30 days, and I felt absolutely horrible. My GI system was a mess. I was going to the bathroom more than I wanted to. I felt weak. I felt just mentally just not right. I felt, I felt like I was eating a lot more just unnatural processed foods. And I have to be honest, I, I tried the vegan diet because I was convinced about the benefits of it after watching the Game Changers documentary. Wait, wait, Sam, you mean vegetarian or vegan? No, I did vegan for 30 days. Oh, so you cut animal products? Yes, for 30 oh, days. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah. I've done pescatarian, I've done vegan, and I've done um, a kind of a mix of both. I've done Mediterranean. But anyways, I, I was... I saw the Game Changers documentary and I was like, wow, this, this sounds great. I can mm -hmm. help the environment. I can help my health and I'm saving the animals. This is great. But I felt absolutely horrible on, on it. And I want to talk a little bit about the Game Changers documentary because there's a lot of claims that they made in, in the documentary that are false. Um, you know, one thing that you, that you um, shed light to was the gladiator diet. You know, because I remember we were talking about lentils and we were talking about, oh, you know, in the documentary, the gladiators, you know, they used to eat lentils and they were strong and they were, you know, freaks of nature and they were healthy. But then you, you mentioned something interesting. Do you remember what you said to me? Yeah, guys. So let me get, I, I don't know if I, I told you guys, but I actually went to Italy this summer. So this gives me an opportunity to talk about my trip, actually. So yeah, I actually good. went to the Coliseum and I went inside the Coliseum and I went on a guided tour with this excellent guide tour who's Italian. He explained everything in English. And it turns out that the gladiators were actually, um, they were actually um, po like prisoners. Like they were criminals, condemned criminals. So mm -hmm. that, what that means is that they had no choice but to eat lentils. Right. So yeah. that's actually <laughs> not true what they said in the documentary. Yeah, it, it wasn't their choice to eat. It's not like, you know, if they were given the choice of eating steak or or plants that they're going to eat plants. I mean, we don't know, right? They were they eat what they were given. Yeah, so the reason why, so at that time period, uh, criminals, they were actually given lentils because that's what make them weaker. Mm. So well, I'm pretty sure if you gave the gladiators a piece of meat, they would have probably killed like three lions or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, that trip of yours sounded really cool. Definitely have to check out Italy. Oh, yeah, you guys have to go. That, oh, it was once in a lifetime. It was amazing. And I heard something about Italy years ago that they actually made it, they made it like illegal for children or infants to be vegans. You can actually, um, they made it illegal, but they criminalized it because yeah. of the health risks for, for, uh, for, for little kids. 
But I tried looking that up and I couldn't find it. But what I found was the, um, I found something in Belgium, I believe it was, where they actually made it. Um, so doctors in Belgium stated that raising children on a vegan diet is unethical and should be a criminal offense. Now, this is from the Royal Academy of Medicine of Belgium, where they declare that veganism is unsuitable for unborn children, children, teenagers, and pregnant and lactating women. Okay. So, you know, this is a, it's a potential health issue, you know, caused by the vegan diet due to lack of sufficient proteins, according to these scientists and essential fatty acids for the development of the brain and vitamins, including essential ingredients such as vitamin D and B12, calcium, or even trace elements and nutrients essential for proper development are claimed to be absent from this diet. So another thing about the um, the Game Changers documentary was the uh, the B12 debate, right? Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So one thing they debated was that you know B12, yeah, you can you can get enough B12 from plant foods, and you know because it's in the water and of the plant, the soil. But I don't know. I kind of disagree with that because one one thing is the bioavailability and how we actually absorb. B12 is different from different sources. And I think, I think to really get B12, you need to get it from animal sources. Right? Yeah. So I think before we continue, let, let's, let's make a couple things clear here. Number one, it's been a lot of what the game changers stated has been debunked at this point. They made a lot of claims about environmental claims that, you know, the, the, the meat industry is causing most of the methane in the environment. They spoke about a lot of things. Most of that was debunked. Okay, so that's something that you guys have to uh, should be aware of. Because when I when I also watched that documentary, I I was also taken aback. I was like, wow, this is this is interesting. Maybe maybe I should adopt this diet. And I was also vegetarian for about six months. I tried it for six months, and I actually gained weight. And mm. I also felt weak. I was as weak as I ever was. I wasn't able. I wasn't able to do even two pull ups. Which, as you guys know, I, I can do a lot of pull-ups, about like eight to ten in a row easily. And at Your that time, <laughs> no, no, it is now. Now it's good, Sam. I showed I showed you a video. And, yeah, all um, now all the way up. Yeah, I'm doing Olympic pull-ups now. Anyway, um, but yeah, I I also thought that that's very it's very convincing the the documentary. But it's it's a lot of it is just propaganda, guys. It's 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 based on shaky evidence, shaky foundation. And it's, there's nothing, there's nothing, um, I mean, I had a lot of good things, right? But a lot of the numbers that they pulled out, they said, I think it was something like 52% of the greenhouse gases was from methane. That's, that's not true. Like, it's just not true. And we'll talk more about that later on. Uh, I'm going to give you guys the real statistics. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, before, I mean, before we continue with the B12 and, and the, the meat and potatoes of this, you know, one more claim they made, I think, was like that peanut butter had as much protein as beef or eggs. I'm, I'm just like, what? No, 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 no. no, no. It can't be. It can't that, be. That's not. That's just not true. Yeah, no, it's not. So why don't we? Yeah. Why don't we break this down for the audience, Sam? Let's let's go mm-hmm. let's go step by step here. Um, let's start talking yeah. about the benefits of the vegan yeah, diet. So you can talk about some of the benefits, and uh, and then I'll talk about some of the the harms. Okay, so. Yeah, so the vegan diet, um, as you as I just explained, is basically a diet where you avoid animal products. And there's a close cousin called the vegetarian diet, which takes many forms. You could be pescatarian, which means you eat fish but you don't eat meat. You could be ovo, 
vegetarian, which means you eat eggs. Uh, and there's other ones, but basically vegetarian, vegan, very similar. And, you know, there's a lot of purported benefits with these diets, mainly in reducing cardiovascular disease, cancer, metabolic disease, such as diabetes. And unfortunately, a lot of the studies are, are, are not, are not the strongest when it comes to the vegan diet. Um, as you guys know, the nutritional, nutritional research is shaky to begin with. Uh, this is not just a vegan diet. It's every diet, Mediterranean diet, paleo, you name it. It's all based on epidemiology observations. So to begin with, it's not, they're not really well-designed studies. The, um, the results are not really analyzed correctly. So unfortunately, the vegan diet falls in that category as well. But from what we do have, I did find an article that looked promising from the Journal of General Internal Medicine. And this article basically looked at the vegetarian diet and weight reduction. So it studied vegetarian diets and weight reduction. And it was a meta-analysis. As you guys know, meta-analysis, like we explained, is, a, is, is they take a lot of different studies and they put them together. And just to summarize this, this study, because it's pretty long, they, they, they took a bunch of individual studies, about 12 of them, and they made some conclusions based on the study. And the conclusion was that vegetarian diets appeared to have significant benefits on weight reduction compared to non-vegetarian diets. And let me give you guys some statistics so you know what I'm talking about. They said that the weighted mean difference in weight was 2.02 kilograms. And when they compared the vegan diet with the, the other group, it was minus 2.52 kilograms. All of this was in, within the 18-week window. So they, 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 they studied people for 18 weeks. You're talking about like 4.4 like 4 pounds? Yeah, it's about a 5 weight pounds. Difference. That's a, it? A little bit over 5 pounds is what it shows. In 18 weeks. Yeah, in 18 weeks. But the, the point is that, okay, maybe it has some weight loss properties, but... The last time I checked, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that weight was the only, was the only marker for, for health. Yeah. I don't even think it's that good of a, I mean, it, it is a good marker like BMI weight, but why didn't they look at like inflammatory markers, cholesterol, um, you know, or C-reactive protein, inflammatory markers. Why didn't they look at all that stuff? Uh, that's a great question, Sam. I, I wish I had the answer, but they you didn't. Know, to, to just look at weight. I mean, anybody could, I mean, there's many ways to lose weight. Yeah, so let me let me give you guys another diet that would do the same thing in 18 weeks. It's called the Oreo diet. You eat two Oreos a day for 18 weeks, and yeah. the study would also show that you lost five pounds. Now, do you, yeah. do you think that guys? Do you think that diet is good? No, no, it's it's you can you can be at a low weight and be severely unhealthy, right? Yeah, of course. So the, the way you lose weight is by, by being under under the caloric. Uh, being in a caloric deficit, right? So let's say you're a male, 28 years old, whatever. Let's say you need, I don't know what it is, maybe let's say 2,000 something calories per day. If you're under that mark every day, you're most likely going to lose weight, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're in, a, you can be, you can be at a low weight, but be malnourished, right? Yeah, you can. So it's not a good indicator of health, in my opinion. It's all relative. And but I, for me, the biggest problem with the study was not only it was not only that. It was only, it's also that they didn't, they didn't specify five pounds of what? Five pounds of muscle loss, five pounds of fat. Mm. Because if you lost five pounds of muscle on this diet, it's not a, it's not a good diet to me. 
it's, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's, it's important. It's like when you guys hear about these like weight loss studies, you have to ask those questions. Is it fat that they lost or is it muscle? Lean muscle mass. Okay. So I, I think it's probably lean muscle mass that they lose because of the, the severely low protein diets that they were put on in this diet. I mean, they were barely eating any protein. And like Sam was mentioning, they were also calorie restricted and not exercising. So the study, uh, everybody in the study was not exercising and they were only vegan or vegetarian. And and also, what did they compare this diet to? The standard American diet, which is terrible. I mean, any diet is better than the standard American diet. Mm -hmm. So obviously, when you compare a vegan diet to the standard American diet, it's going to look amazing because the standard American diet is awful. Yeah. You know? So I feel like a lot of these studies, they, they, they appear like they're good. But when you actually start digging into the study and, and, and actually reading it, then they're not that good. And um, yeah. I can, let me tell you guys a little bit more. The, in addition, the, the studies that they picked to study in the meta-analysis were all not good quality. They didn't standardize again, like we spoke about, for age, for BMI. They didn't, um, they didn't, they didn't report what questionnaires they were given. So again, where's the transparency? And it's just not good. And, and again, this is in a very prestigious journal, Journal of General Internal Medicine. And they just, they literally just look at, look at one parameter, which is weight loss. That's not, when it comes to longevity, weight loss, it's actually not a good thing. You know, when, when, we, when I see patients and they're old and they tell me I'm losing weight, I start to panic. Because that mm-hmm. usually means they're losing muscle, right? right. So when, I feel like this study should have included, like Sam said, some sort of inflammatory marker that they followed, some sort of uh, parameter, like uh, maybe measure the body fat percentage from the start and then at the end measure it again. Um, uh, you know, just to say that weight loss was reported, uh, you know, you could, you, you could lose weight on any diet. Doesn't, doesn't mean that the vegan diet has anything special. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, there, there are definitely, you know, I did find some studies that, that support like some plant-based um, foods when it comes to our health. One of them was a, a systematic review and meta-analysis on the whole, a whole grain diet, reducing systemic inflammation. And there was a meta-analysis of, of nine randomized controlled trials where they included uh, almost um, 850 participants. And, uh, Consumption of whole grains had an inverse association with inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein, interleukin-6, tumor necrosis factor, and interleukin-1-beta. So, I mean, there, there is some evidence to suggest that people could benefit from increasing whole grains for reducing systemic inflammation. And there's evidence that there's studies that show that, you know, two apples a day can lower your, your blood cholesterol and improve cardiometabolic biomarkers in people who have mild uh, hypercholesterol, so increased levels of cholesterol. You know, there, there are randomized controlled trials that show this. But I think, I think um, looking at the big picture, I think uh, that the diet is not for everybody, you know. That's why for me, I tried it, you know, and I didn't do well on it, so it's just not for me. I think it can yeah. have some benefits for certain people, but I think for other people, I think that they don't do well on it and it's not for them. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think this is going to bring us to our next section, which is the harms of the vegan diet. But just to go back to the benefits, 
I think that the vegan diet, if done correctly, it could be beneficial because let's say you're on a standard American diet and you're eating like absolute garbage and you're eating chips and pizza and processed food and you're not exercising, then of course the vegan diet is going to be good for you because you're eliminating the processed food and you're probably eating more fruits, more vegetables, more, more whole grains. But I found this in my patient population. A lot of patients who tell me they're on a vegan diet, I find out that they're actually still eating processed food. So just because mm-hmm. someone says I'm on a vegan diet, that doesn't, that honestly doesn't mean anything to me because they could still be eating chips and cookies and drinking soda. That's all vegan, right? It's not animal products. So it's, you got, it's important if you guys are going to start a vegan diet, you have to be very careful with what, of how you do it. Because there's many different types of vegan diets out there. Just because you're not eating meat and fish and eggs and cheese and dairy doesn't, doesn't mean that you're good now. Like It's much more involved in that. And we'll talk a little bit more about supplementation and other things to look out for. But honestly, in my opinion, from what I've seen, it's very, very difficult diet to, to adhere to. Yeah, my question for, for, for vegans is... Um... If it's such a good diet, then why do you have to supplement so much? Right? Yeah. What is the point of supplementation? Is to input into your body the the um, the minerals and vitamins and amino acids and micronutrients that you're not getting from your diet, right? Mm-hmm. If you have if you have a good diet where you're getting a good amount of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, you're getting all your amino acids, you're getting your vitamins, you're getting your minerals, potassium, calcium, sodium, you're getting all those molecules into your body. You shouldn't need to supplement. Yeah, exactly. So there, there's something wrong in your diet if you if you find that you have to supplement, especially with something like B12. I mean, yeah. What, can, you, can you explain what B12 is for the audience? Yeah, let me just take a step back. So that's true. So if you're if you find that you're supplementing constantly on a certain diet, that diet is probably not a good diet. Uh, you know, it, it's just like the way Sam put it is, is, is correct. If you're constantly having to supplement, that means that you're not getting it from your diet. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not terrible if you, if you take one supplement here and there, maybe a vitamin D supplement or fish oil. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to also just to, to get all the nutrients and vitamins from a diet, 100%, unless you're like a PhD in biochemistry. But I think that you know, nowadays, because the soil is so depleted, we actually have a lot of nutritional deficiencies, even if you have animal-based products. So back in the day, the soil had a lot of magnesium. It had a ton of, of, of like iron and zinc and all these things, but specifically magnesium. And nowadays, there's actually an epidemic of magnesium deficiency, guys. This is why migraines are so prevalent. This is why so many people have constipation and blood pressure is high and anxiety and sleep disorders. Because anxiety and all these things, it has to do with magnesium. And when it's low, you're going to have these issues. Um, so I don't know if you guys knew that, but that's actually something to, to, to note. Uh, but anyway, going back into what, what you were asking me. Um, benefits? Yeah. yeah, we kind of spoke about that. B12, yeah. So B12 is very important. Um, B12 is one of the eight B vitamins that we have. Uh, it's one of eight, B12. Super important. And it's basically only found in animal foods. Okay. I don't care what you guys have seen. I'm sorry. There's, you cannot get this from plant-based proteins. 
back in the day, back I'm telling I'm saying like thousands and thousands of years ago, apparently it was it was it was it was available in water because when the water mm -hmm. used to right when the water used to come down from the from the mountains, it used to it used to it used to come in contact with rocks that had minerals such as calcium, magnesium. So the water actually had a little bit of B12. But nowadays with the contamination, you're not getting any B12 from any of those sources. Okay. So the first thing to know is that B12 is found only ex exclusively in animal products. And why is B12 so important? Well, it's a cofactor in DNA synthesis. It's critical for the nervous system for creating red blood cells. And the, actually, the most common cause of B12 deficiency is something called pernicious anemia, which is an autoimmune condition where people cannot absorb B12 because they, yeah. they develop an antibody to something called intrinsic factor, and it presents as severe B12 deficiency. And I've actually seen a couple of these, these cases myself in practice and during my training where you know patients would come in with a B12 of 50, and they would literally be tripping on the floor, they, they would have poor proprioception, constipation, sometimes even psychosis. And it turns out I, I would do like a workup and they would have pernicious anemia. It's actually the most common cause of B12 deficiency. Have you seen that, Sam, in your practice? Pernicious anemia, I've seen a few people check it off their medical history, but I haven't, I haven't seen it directly, um, no. Yeah, it's actually very common. But the second most common uh, reason for B12 deficiency is actually dietary deficiency. And certain medications can also do it, such as proton pump inhibitors, such you know things such as Nexium, Prilosec, surgical procedures, gastric bypass surgeries. That can all cause B12 deficiency. Um, it's also important to note that B12 is largely stored in the liver. So up to 50% of the B12 we have in our bodies is actually in the liver. Mm -hmm. And it takes a long time to become B12 deficient. On average, three to five years to become B12 deficient. And sometimes vegans, especially with these short-term studies where they're doing 18 weeks, three months, you're not going to, you're not obviously going to have a B12 deficiency. This stuff takes years to develop. And so we do start to see these, the B12 deficiency in, in patients who are on vegans for many years. Um, what else can I tell you? Severe B12 deficiency levels, like I said, can lead to GI issues, tingling in the fingers and toes balance issues, depression, psychosis. Um, this is a fun fact, guys. We check B12 levels on all elderly patients who are admitted to the hospital because it's actually a reversible cause of dementia. I don't know if you guys knew that. Did you know that, Sam? I did, actually, yeah. Okay. That's, I, you know, I actually had a patient in the hospital who uh, she came in and they, everyone thought she had Alzheimer's. And we checked her B12 and it was 50. And then mm. once we gave her B12 injections and, and oral supplements, she was like back to her baseline in a couple of days. Yeah, once again, the link between diet and Alzheimer's, right? Yep. Type 3 diabetes, what we spoke about in, in uh, earlier episodes. Yep. Yeah, this is something you don't want to mess with, guys, B12. This is, you definitely want to mess with this one. Um, so what are some of the tests that you can look for B12? So yeah, you can measure the B12 in the serum. Uh, you could check a CBC, which is a complete blood, count, blood cell count. And you look at the hemoglobin levels. You look at the size of the red blood cell. Uh, usually, if it's above 100, then that gives you an indication that you may have a B12 deficiency. You look at something called homocysteine and methylmalonic acid, which would also be elevated. Uh, and you can also look at a blood smear. So 
that's a little overview of B12. Long story short, you don't want to mess around with this, this, this vitamin. If you're low in this, you're going to definitely have symptoms. Yeah. So yeah, vitamin B12, it's, it's, you know, it's naturally present in foods of animal origin, right? So fish, meat, poultry, eggs, dairy products. Well, you know, want to hear something interesting, Joseph? Yeah. Since I know how much you love breakfast cereals. Wow. They actually put B12 in fortified breakfast cereals and fortified nutritional yeast. So that's a, that's a, one way people actually get it through, through breakfast cereal. But at the, at the end of the day, again, bioavailability. What is bioavailability? Bioavailability is the proportion of a drug or a other substance like B12, which enters your circulation when introduced into the body so it can have an active effect. So not everything is created equal, right? You know, it could be our bodies are going to absorb nutrients differently based off of where we're getting it from. So you can't say B12 from breakfast cereal is the same as B12 from an egg, right? Mm -hmm. So exactly. it's, it's not a good, not a good uh, substitute for animal foods to get your B12 from fortified breakfast cereals. They're going to spike your insulin and make you unhealthy. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. So, you know, what, what, what are the uh, recommended dietary allowances of, uh, of B12? You okay. know, Joseph? So, I mean, there's not this, there are a couple of guidelines. So they say to get at least a thousand MCGs a day, but I, I, a lot of those, they're not really based on, on good evidence. Um, the truth is you can't, you cannot get enough of B12, right? Because like I said, mm. your body just stores it. So it, your liver can store B12 for years and years and years. So don't be afraid of B12. The more B12, the better. Uh, yeah. Better is always more than, it's better than, than less when it comes to B12. B12 is one of the water-soluble vitamins, correct? Yeah, yeah water-soluble. So you can't, you can't, the, the risk of toxicity is very low. Exactly. Right? Because your kidneys are going to filter it out and, you know, your body will get rid of it. Damn, Sam, you've been, you've been reading up. Yeah, I'm telling you, nutrition is king. So look, I want to tell you one thing. What are some of the foods that contain the most vitamin B12, guys? You're going to be surprised when you hear the first one. The first food that has the most B12, 70.7 micrograms per serving is beef liver. Just three ounces of beef liver, you're going to get 70.7 micrograms per serving. I know some of you may say, oh, that's gross. That's disgusting. What, you know? Humans have been eating organs for God knows how many years, right? Beef liver is, is a sacred food. Actually, there's certain cultures in the world that they value beef liver so much where they can't even touch it with their own hands. I remember watching a podcast where I think it was a Joe Rogan podcast where he was talking about wolves, that when wolves are in packs, the alpha of the, of the, of the pack goes straight for the liver after they kill the animal or the, the prey, because they know that's the most nutritious food. The li liver is one of the most nutritious foods in the world. Yeah. And we can see why it's so important, how much, how much nutrients you can get from it. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, the second one is clams without the shell. You know, three ounces of clams, you can get 17 micrograms. And you have things like, again, um, cereal, salmon, you have milk, yogurt, breakfast cereals. Really, you're just, you're just getting 0.6 micrograms per serving with poor bioavailability. Do you want, is that really how you want to get B12? No. Then you have cheese and other things. But guys, tempeh, 
I don't even know what tempeh is. 0.1 micrograms of banana, zero. Bread, whole wheat, one slice of bread, 0.0. .0. Okay. Strawberries, 0.0. .0. Beans, kidney, uh, kidney beans, 0.0. .0. Spoiled spinach, 0.0. .0. You're not going to get B12 that way. You got to supplement, and it's just not the best way to get B12. Yeah. But in my opinion, I think we need to be eating in moderation animal products to get enough B12. Yeah, it's the like I said, it's the only way to get B12. You cannot get it from plant. It's, it's simple. Like I there's there's no there's no way else to, to I don't know how else to put this guys. You cannot get B12 from plant products. So, yeah, yeah, so tempeh is actually like a fermented food. Um so, you know, fermented foods like tempeh, nori, spirulina, algae or algae, however you want to say it. Uh, they, they're not. They cannot be relied upon as an adequate source of B12. So let's uh, let's move on from B12. So next thing I want to talk about are the harms of the vegan diet. You know, you know, obviously we've been talking a lot about the harms of it so far, but you know there are there are some good things. You know, apples are really good for you. Uh, blueberries are very anti-inflammatory. You know, there are certain plants that are very healthy for you, certain fruits when eaten ripe that are very healthy for you, like mangoes, papayas, bananas. But there are, you know, if you guys uh, read the book, The Plant Paradox by Stephen Gundry, he's the person who kind of popularized the term lectins. You know, lectins are these chemicals in, in certain plants that for some people, they can actually be, you know, they can cause havoc, you know. They basically make red blood cells clump together and lead to agglutination of your red blood cells. You know, lectins have been used in espionage. They've been used for bombings. You know, they've been used, you know, ricin has been used for, for that purpose. Um, you know, eating raw kidney beans can cause emergency room visits. It can cause uh, bloody diarrhea. And many studies now are showing that lectins, which again are these chemicals found in certain plant foods, I think mostly the, the nightshade plant uh, foods like tomatoes, eggplants, white potatoes, you know, there's certain plants that have more lectins in them. There, there's studies that show that lectins can actually climb the vagus nerve, which is uh, the, one of the longest nerves in our body that goes from our gut all the way to our brain and may actually cause Parkinson's disease and uh, also may cause other autoimmune diseases. So I think I think excess lectins in our body through the consumption of a lot of plants can can be very inflammatory and be very detrimental to our health. If you guys want to learn more about this uh, lectins theory, uh, and not just a theory, there's there's research about it. But you can you guys can look at Stephen Gundry in the Plant Paradox book. Stephen Gundry is an award-winning cardiologist, and he really as he posts a lot of studies on this stuff. I just want to talk about oxalates. So oxalates, when, when levels of oxalates are high uh, from eating, you know, from eating um, like certain leafy greens, um, there's a greater chance that it will bind to calcium and form kidney stones. You know, so that's why a lot of the times uh, when someone has kidney stones, the doctor will tell them like, you know, stay off of, uh, what are some of the foods, Joe? Like stay off of uh, kale. So spinach, spinach, kale, and um, I think things like uh, sweet potatoes, certain, certain nuts can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So certain, you know, excess oxalates, that's, that's gonna, you increase the risk of, of kidney stones when you're eating too many oxalates found in those foods. 
Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about um, vegetable oil. So when you're on a plant-based diet, you're more likely to consume excess vegetable oil intake and ex and vegetable oils. I don't even know where to start with this, Joseph. Really, I don't because this is like one of the reasons why obesity has skyrocketed in this country is because of the excess seed oils. They're actually they're seed oils, okay? They call them vegetable oils because vegetable sounds way more healthy than seed oils. But essentially, they are so high in omega-6, linoleic acid, they are polyunsaturated fats, and they're inflammatory in our body. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, if you look at the, the tribes around the world that, uh, that live to, you know, 100 years old, if you look at the, you know, the Tukisenta and Papua New Guinea, if you look at their diet, if you look at the diet of people in Uruguay and these tribes around the world and the Maasai of Tanzania, you look at all their diets and yeah, they're different, right? The Maasai is more animal-based diet. So they eat uh, organs, meat, dairy, a lot of fat, a lot of saturated fats. Like 40% of their diet is saturated fat, which has been link- linked, air quotes, to cardiovascular events, right? But why are they so healthy? And why is cardiovascular disease absent in a lot of these these uh, subgroups? And then you see another group in, uh, in Papua New Guinea, the Tukisenta, which their diet consists of 94.6% carbohydrates, 3% protein, and 2.4% fat. Why are they so healthy, Joseph? Would you prescribe a patient a diet consisting of 94% carbohydrates? I, pr- I probably wouldn't. But, you wouldn't, right? But again, like these are, these are it's, it's hard to say because these are tribes that are living the way humans lived probably hundreds of thousands of years ago. So we don't know. Maybe there's other factors and stuff, but it, it depends. Like it, this, this stuff is, is, is much more complicated than what you guys are reading about on Google. So let me, let me, let me go wait, back wait, to wait, the Wait, 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 wait. Hold oils. on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. I, I'm not finished with the seed oils. So yeah, you, you probably wouldn't, right? You probably wouldn't prescribe somebody in this day and age a diet of 94% carbohydrates, right? Yeah. It, just, it doesn't seem like a balanced diet. But how come, why is this subgroup thriving? Why are they doing so well? Why, why are all these groups doing so well, even though their diets all differ? And I think I know the reason. Vegetable oils, okay? Sources of omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids include the common vegetable oils like corn cooking oil, canola oil, safflower, sunflower, soybean oil, hydrogenated oils like margarine and vegetable shortening. These are very, very inflammatory, okay? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that we are doing wrong as a Western society when it comes to diet is that you know how much we consume of omega-6 linoleic acid found in seed oils? We're consuming 7 to 12%. And I believe this is the real cause of the spike of obesity and chronic illness in America. And you want to know how, how much these subgroups are intaking of omega-6 fatty acids, 0.6% of their diet consists of omega-6 linoleic acid, which is found in vegetable oils. So what are all these groups that are thriving? What do they have in common? No refined sugar, no refined wheat, no processed foods, and guess what? No vegetable oils. So is it really, you know, we're kind of arguing here, vegan versus uh, animal-based versus... at the end of the day, this clearly shows that 
if you remove four things from your diet, it doesn't really matter what you eat. In my opinion, as long as you get rid of the junk and the ve- and the vegetable oils, you can eat a diet of up to ninety four percent of carbohydrates, and you and, and you can be okay. I, I think I think that's true. I think we need to remove the vegetable oils. It's horrible. Yeah. So I I basically this is the this is the way I talk to my patients. So. I agree with everything you just said regarding the vegetable oil. I also think it's 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 the cause of of you know coronary artery one of the causes of coronary artery disease because there's many but it's definitely one of one of them. Uh, but, so let's go back to what I was mentioning in the third episode. Remember when I was talking about Ansel Keys and fat in the 1950s? Mm-hmm. Guess when vegetable oil started becoming popular? 1950s, yeah, right? That time. Why? Because at that time they wanted to replace animal products with vegetable which sounds healthy, oils. So you started seeing a lot of canola oil. A lot of people, they started using a lot of these vegetable oils, which are all processed. Almost all of them are processed. Unless you buy like organic coconut oil or something like that. But if you buy your run-of-the-mill vegetable oil at the supermarket, it's most likely processed. And like like Sam was saying, uh, in the U.S., we, we consume so much more omega-6 than we do omega-3s. The mm-hmm. ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 in this country is like 6 to 1. Last time I checked. Omega-3s are things found in eggs, fish, uh, sardines, mackerel, those things. You want to have high omega-3 and low omega-6. But it's we're doing the opposite. We're doing high omega-6, low omega-3. And that's actually very inflammatory. And mm-hmm. and that can inflame the, the blood vessels. Particularly yeah. the heart, the the brain. So yeah, I I agree. Vegetable oils, those are really bad. And I agree. I think if there's four things you you could do to improve your diet, one is get rid of sugar, refined sugar. Get get rid of wheat, refined carbohydrates, processed foods, and then vegetable oils. I also agree. You could probably do a diet that's all carbs, all fat. You know, mostly protein, and you'd be healthy. You know, but this is this is the thing. You have to make sure that you don't include those things we just mentioned. That's what's really driving disease in, in the in the US and around the world. Chronic disease, heart disease, blood pressure being high, diabetes, it's those things. And this the point of this episode is not to talk badly about vegans, okay? I hope you guys don't don't get that with this episode. We're just trying to highlight the good things and the bad things and have a discussion here. We're not anti vegan, but I think it's important to note that when you're on a vegan diet, you tend to eat more processed foods because you're replacing the animal products with things that are not so healthy, like processed foods, vegetable seed oils, refined carbohydrates, and then you're going to run into problems because you're eating these foods and then you're going to have issues down the line. So it's not that the vegan diet is bad. I think if you can, if you want to do a vegan diet, you can do it, but you just have to be smart about it and you have to understand what you're doing. And mm-hmm. just because you're vegan doesn't automatically mean you're healthy. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. I think it's the way you construct your diet. Pick any diet you want, construct it appropriately where you're getting your sufficient minerals, vitamins, macronutrients, micronutrients, and you'll be okay. And get rid of the garbage and you're going to be fine, most likely. Um, yeah. So this is something completely new to me. You know, I've been researching this a lot. And, uh, you know, studies showing that linoleic acid found in vegetable oils is positively associated with a degree of coronary artery disease. 
you know, and you know, I think meat gets demonized a lot um, because because of the foods that they're feeding the animals. So what are they feeding pork? You know, pigs and chicken. They're being fed grains. That's going to increase your linoleic acid and the fat of the animal, and then we consume that. This is why I'm a, I'm a big believer of grass-fed, grass-finished meat because it's the healthiest. Mm-hmm. Because the animal that you're consuming is eating what it's what it was born to eat, which is grass. Cows are meant to eat grass. They're not meant to be overweight, obese, sick, and unhealthy. And one thing when it comes to veganism is animal rights. You know, I I'm a big proponent for animal rights. And you know, there are people out there on YouTube. Like Joey Carpstrong, if you look up Joey Carpstrong, you know, he's popular on YouTube. And he goes around telling people, if you're not vegan, you support animal abuse. And I think that's a ridiculous claim that's further dividing people, you know, vegans versus carnivores, this versus that. That's, you know, how are we going to get to, how are we going to get anywhere in this country if all we do is divide each other? You know, killing an animal for food, in my opinion, is not the same as abuse. The food chain has existed since the beginning of time, since the beginning of living organisms. The definition of abuse is to treat a person or an animal with cruelty or violence, especially regularly or repeatedly. And yes, I believe in this country and other countries, it is known that animal abuse exists. Animals are locked in cages and fed foods that make them sick, overweight, and miserable. They're giving tons of antibiotics and hormones. They live miserable lives. You don't have to be a vegan to not support animal abuse. So I think that argument is ridiculous. And this is why I buy meat that says humane treatment on it. Because it's known that happy, well-treated animals result in delicious, high-quality beef. And I recently purchased a grass-fed, grass-finished meat um, from a supermarket that had the internationally accepted five freedoms on it. The internationally accepted five freedoms for an animal are freedom from hunger and thirst, Freedom from discomfort, freedom from pain, injury, and disease, freedom to express normal behaviors, and freedom from fear and distress. So I think, I think that argument is just not true. That if you are, if you're not vegan, you support animal abuse. What do you think about that argument, Joe? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. Let, let's talk. Let's actually talk more about this this subject. So I've also encountered the same thing in my experience when. People who are vegans, you know, they're trying to do the right thing. Obviously, they, they, you know, they don't want the animals to suffer and all these things. But the problem that I think vegans run into is that they, they make these claims that if you don't support vegan, then that means that you're supporting the factory farming, which I think is ridiculous. You know, it's not just because I support one thing doesn't mean I support something else. Like, you know, I'm not a vegan myself, but you're telling me that I, that I support you know, factory farming? Of course not. And I think most people don't support factory farming. So let, let's 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 actually break this down. So what 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 are the ethical concerns that vegans are concerned about? Well, it's a couple of them. Number one is they're concerned about the the ethical or moral question of killing animals for food, right? That's their main concern. They feel that morally, that as humans we shouldn't be allowed to do that because humans have I mean, animals have, you know, they have a right to live their lives. But like Sam was mentioning, unfortunately, that's not how, that's not how the, 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 the animal world works. You know, in the animal world, animals eat other animals. 
if a human doesn't eat an animal, some another animal will, unfortunately. So in na- in nature, whether you like it or not, it, it it's it's a it's a food chain, you know. Like animals will eat other animals for survival, and that's just the way it is. And I think Sam was right. I think when he said that, you know, eating an animal for food is not the same thing as factory farming or abusing the animal or stuff like that. It's two very different things. I think that what we should focus on as a society, instead of being tribal and being, oh, I'm vegan, I'm carnivore, I'm this. I, I, we, I don't think that's a good idea. And I think the point of our podcast is also to, to stop this because this is getting out of hand, guys. There's all these different diets. All, every day there's a new diet. Heck, next, tomorrow there's going to be a freaking Oreo diet. Who knows? But we have to... We have to. You love your Oreos, man. You love your yeah, Oreos. Yeah, I used to eat Oreos a lot as a kid. But anyway, you put your um, Oreos in cereal in the morning. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with the whole wheat and with that sorry, with the, with the whole milk. That's how you start your day, right? Yeah, that's why I'm traumatized. I keep mentioning it. But anyway, um, when we think about diet, right? Let's stop thinking about diet in terms of putting uh, putting yourself in a box. So I'm vegan. I'm carnivore. I'm keto. I don't think that's the right approach. I think. The right approach is adopt a diet where you're eliminating processed food, you're eliminating sugar, refined carbohydrates, and this is something very important, guys. Know where you're getting your animal products. Know where the eggs are coming from. So let's talk about that. It's not just that you're eating meat. You have to know where is the animal being raised? Is the animal being raised in a good environment? What is the animal eating? That's also very important because... Factory farming is not just that the animals are being treated horribly. It's also that the animals are being fed grain and they're eating grains. And then humans eat that and then they get sick as well. So think about that. Think about not just the ethical concern, but also think about, you know, sustainability, agriculture. What what does it mean to plant crops? What does it mean to buy a meat at at your supermarket? Most people, they just buy a piece of meat. They don't even know where it came from. Uh, I, I have a couple of recommendations. If you guys want a good source of meat, I would either recommend a local farm. You know, go to your local farm and see if they sell some meat. Um, or I would recommend a company called ButcherBox, which is uh, based out of Boston. And they actually transport meat from Australia. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, you know, as you, I don't know if you guys know, but in Australia, also in Europe, they have very strict laws when it comes to animal rights. And yes. quality of meat, which we don't have in this country. And that's something we yeah. should focus on. Instead of focusing only on, well, I'm vegan. Okay, what are you going to do about it, though? You're vegan and, like, what's the problem? Like, talk about what the issue is. The issue is sustainability. The issue is what are animals being fed? You know, the environment, greenhouse gases. So I think we're forgetting the big picture here. Um, what else was I going to say? So vegan diet. Yeah, um, I mean, there, there's also before. other companies. There's other companies called. There's one company that I, I recently got into. They, they sell it at Shoprite, so you don't have to go to a farm. Okay, and yeah, it's more expensive. I know, I get it, I get it. It's more expensive. A ribeye steak is like thirteen bucks. You know how I feel about I mean, that, Sam. I know, I know. You're gonna you're gonna say you know delete your Netflix account. I'm not complaining, but other people they may say you know yeah I get it's healthier but it's more expensive. But again, the money that you the, you're going to save that money on, on hospital bills and co-pays on the line. Bankruptcy is one of the, the mo- one of the most common causes of bankruptcy is medical problems. So the money you spend now on your health is, a, is the, what you're going to save on your illness later on. Spend the extra money. You know, I think it's important to eat um, grass-fed, 
grass finished products. Yeah. If you guys are going to eat meat, make sure that it's grass fed, grass finished. That's the best, the highest quality meat that you, that you can have. That, that means, what that means is that the animals are eating grass, cows, you know, the pigs, they're eating grass, which is what they're supposed to eat. And then eggs, you want to also uh, make sure that you're buying pasture raised, cage free uh, eggs. That's also very important. And cheese. We didn't mention this either. There's also uh, grass-fed cheese and butter. So basically mm-hmm. anything that's dairy that comes from an animal, you have to make sure that it's high quality. Yeah. Yeah. And there's better alternatives than seed oils to cook. You know, you can cook with olive oil. Olive oil is fantastic. The Mediterranean diet is consistently at the top of the, the best diet in the world You know, list pretty much a lot, like almost every year. So the Mediterranean diet is, is a good diet. Butter. They use a lot of butter. olive oil. You can use butter. You can cook in tallow, which not a lot of people talk about anymore. Like it's ghee. Just, uh, beef. Yeah, ghee. Um, fat of the animal. That's, it's, it's a better option than vegetable oils. Guys, I want you guys to do something after this podcast. I want you guys to go to your kitchen, open up your pantry, and if you see a seed oil, throw it in the garbage. I'm serious. You, got, you, you have to get rid of the seed oils. That's... A big, huge problem. That's it's, it's. I can't state this enough. Seed oils, they really are linked to coronary artery disease, cancer, inflammation, autoimmune disease. If there's anything you got from this podcast, it's eliminate seed oils from your diet. Yeah, and it's not just cooking in them. It's not like oh, just you know, throw away the canola oil you know container. They, they sneak it in there, even mm-hmm. like, like a granola bar, you know, salmon burgers from Peter Joe's. You know, mm-hmm. anything in a box, like they'll sneak it in there. Yep. It could be the last ingredient you see. It says sunflower oil. They'll sneak it in there. So you got to look really intently on what you're buying. Yep. And yeah, so what so, else? Let's talk about, let's talk about some of the misconceptions about the vegan diet. Yeah, sure. So I think I was, I mentioned something to you guys a little bit earlier about the Game Changers, the documentary on Netflix that they quoted a couple of things. So let me give you guys some real quotes, okay? This is from the EPA, which is basically an organization from the U.S. that looks at the greenhouse gases. And by far, the largest percentage of greenhouse gases does not come from livestock, which is the opposite of what the game changers said. It turns out that 24% of all greenhouse gases is from industry. Oh 25% is from electricity. So another reason to cut Netflix, 27% is transportation. So we're definitely not going to get sponsored by Netflix. <laughs> I could care less. I don't even watch Netflix. Actually, I do sometimes. But anyway, oh, um, man. transportation, right? Let's talk. Let's break this one down. So it's actually worse to transport the meat to the supermarket than it is versus what the animal is actually producing in the environment, right? So the cows are producing methane, which is what supposedly is creating all this greenhouse gas and was causing global warming. Actually, no, it's not. It's like, let me, let me read you guys the percentage. It's, it's 11% is agriculture of, of total. 11%. And that, I think only 4% of that is actually methane from cows. All the, you know what the other is? Water. To, to, to plant, all, I mean, to water all these, all these plants. And and like other things such as like tractors and stuff like that. So we went from 52% to 4%. Do you think we should be focusing on that or should we be focusing on 
industry, electricity, transportation. Yeah. This is mean? crazy. Right? This is crazy. Joe, this is crazy. L listen to this, okay? People are more worried about cows farting and emitting methane than Taylor Swift's uh, private jet use. Oh, right. Are you ready for this, Ready? Taylor Swift's jet was in use for 170 out of the first 200 days of the year and emitted 8,293.54 metric tons of CO2e, carbon dioxide equivalent. Is that good for the environment? Nope. But they don't is, talk is, about that. Is that really is, – is the problem animals? Is that, are, they, are, are cows who have been here for millions of years really ruining our environment now? Sam, I just gave you the statistics. It's not – I'm, I'm telling you what the EPA is saying on their, on their website. This is all public information. You guys can look it up online. It's 4% of all greenhouse gases comes from methane. 4% yeah. out of 100%. The rest is all industry, cars, trucks, airplanes, electricity, you name it. So I, I don't know where they got this 52% number from. I have no idea where they got that, but it's not true. And yeah. let's move further. Um. So who's really benefiting from the vegan diet, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's something that's, that's what we should actually be focusing on here because it seems like the vegan diet from a health perspective is not the best, right? You run into these nutritional deficiencies such as B12, protein deficiency. So why exactly are we supporting this? I mean, I understand if, if you're doing it for religious reasons, I, I mean, that's, I can't argue. That's, that's, that's something that you're going to, that's, for, you know, I can't argue with you on that. Yeah, it's a personal but, choice. You know, religious but if, you're, yeah. if, you're, if you're actually thinking that you're saving the environment being a vegan, I'm sorry, but you could do, you could be doing other things. You could be focusing on transportation. Why don't we focus on electric cars? Why don't we focus on, on, on clean, clean power sources? All right. Why, yeah. why are we not talking about, why are we focusing so much on, on, a methane and and guess who's to blame for this guys big pharma big pharma they're the ones who are sponsoring all these studies big pharma we here we go again right the food <laughs> corporations right the egg industry not that sorry not the egg industry like the the uh all these things that you're seeing on tv this, these are all sponsored for big pharma big pharma has a lot of money in these in these corporations and their agenda is to support plant-based plant protein, plant-based powders, plant-based cookies, plant-based, all this crap, right? That's all processed at the end of yeah. the day, right? Mm -hmm. So you guys, you guys have to think about that. It's who's benefiting from this. It's, it's big pharma, the, the food corporations, the Beyond Burger. I just, I just told you guys Beyond Burger. In, the, in 10 years, in the, past, in the last 10 years, this had been... A twenty percent increase in mock meat market, mm -hmm. right? So who's making all that money? This is the corporations. Well, who bought? Who? Who? Okay, let's talk about Beyond Meat because this is uh, this is crazy. Who? Who? Who's? Uh, where? Where is Beyond Meat being advertised? What companies? Tell me. I, the Impossible I Burger. The Impossible Burger. What about the Impossible Burger? I can't think of it off the top of my head, but right? It's being Burger King, right? Yeah, impossible meat, all that stuff. Burger King, McDonald's—they're—they're they're not that healthy. Yep, it's just not healthy, right? A Beyond Burger, one patty. These are the ingredients: water, pea protein isolate, and guess what, guys? Guess expeller pressed canola oil. Two hundred seventy calories, 
20 grams of fat, 5 grams of uh, carbs, 20 grams of protein. What's wrong here? Expressor pressed canola oil. That's what you're getting in your Beyond Burger. What are you getting in your Beyond Sausage? Hot Italian. You're going to get the water. You're going to get the pea protein isolate. And then guess what? You're going to get your sunflower oil. What do we say? Omega-6, linoleic acid, linked to inflammation, and coronary artery disease. It works at the same system, the cannabinoid system in your brain. When you smoke marijuana, the reason why people get hungry after smoking marijuana is because of the cannabinoid system in your brain. It makes you, it, it makes you hungry and it keeps you hungry. It alters your satiety levels. And the reason why vegetable oils are bad for you is because one of the inflammation and two, you don't stop eating. You ever eat a bag? You ever eat just one chip from a bag of chips? No, not me. You can't. You can't stop. It's addicting because it's 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 working at on your cannabinoid receptors in your brain. It binds to them and it keeps you hungry and you won't stop eating. That's why when you're eating these seed oils, you you're never satisfied because you're just constantly eating. Yeah. Right? So yeah, yeah. We think that yeah, beyond sauce is beyond burger. Oh, it's healthier than an actual burger, but it's not. It's not it's a, not. a highly processed food with seed oils in it. Yeah, it's not healthy. It's not a good alternative, guys. Yeah, and they and they hijack your brain basically with these processed foods. They hijack your your eating center so that they'll make you they'll keep you eating and eating and eating and you can't stop. And they they do this in the lab. They have labs that do this, guys. They they engineer these foods so that you don't stop eating. Yeah. So. Some some things to keep in mind, but let me let me, I have a couple more points to talk about here. Um, I spoke about transporting meat already. All right, guys, is it ethical to impose a vegan diet on children and infants? What do you, what do you think, Sam? Ethical to impose a vegan diet on children and infants? Um, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think children and infants require specific nutrition because they're growing. Um, and, and I don't think that's ethical, you know, I don't, I don't, I think they, I think they need certain nutrients that are only found in animal products. So no, I don't think it's ethical. I don't either. Um, because when you, when, when you think about an infant or a child, it's very important that they consume B12, especially during development. And as an adult, you can get by with not, with not having B12, because like I said, you store it in your liver. You have stores of it, but when you're a child or an infant, that really affects your development. And in some cases, irreversible. So if you don't get the B12 that you need as a child, you could suffer irreversible damage that will have lasting effects throughout your life. Mm -hmm. And as a child or an infant, you can't even make a decision for yourself. You, you can't, you don't have, you can't make consent because you don't, you're, you're a minor and you don't have the information at your disposal. So I think as a society, as a government, as a, at a governmental level, or even a, a healthcare level, I, I don't really don't think we should be imposing these things on children and infants. I, I don't think it's ethical. I think if you're an adult and you want to be vegan and you understand the risks, then go ahead. I can't stop you. But when you're an infant or a, you know, a child or an adolescent, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, no, definitely not a good idea. Yeah, um, I think we hit the major points. Like, again, I want to emphasize that we're not anti-vegan. We're not anti-anything. We're here to promote education and give you guys both sides of the story. 
to, you know, for you guys to formulate your own opinions based on the evidence, based on, you know, um, you know, our experience clinically. So I think, I, I don't think the vegan diet is a bad diet. I don't think uh, a bad diet really exists besides consuming processed foods, refined carbohydrates, seed oils, etc. that we talked about. I think you can create a healthy diet in many different ways. And I think the vegan diet can be a healthy diet. And there's, there are people out there who have had type one diabetes who have, you know, pretty much reversed their diabetes by eating carbohydrates. Um, you know, there's people out there who, who do well on, on plant-based diets, but then there's people out there that don't. There's people out there that it could be genetics. It could be environment. It could be many reasons why their body sees and interprets plants, uh, plant um, phytochemicals, phytolexins, polyphenols, lectins, oxalates, all these things. It could be that our bodies see them as foreign objects or foreign, you know, foods, and it starts to attack them. Because at the end of the day, plants, the only way a plant can defend itself is by having phytochemicals. Like, look at a, look at a cactus. It's covered in spikes. It doesn't want you to eat it doesn't want you to touch it. A plant wants to reproduce and produce offspring. That's the goal of a plant. And the way it does that is by not being eaten. What about those plants that can't protect themselves? They protect themselves by having specific phytochemicals, which that's their weapon, so that when you eat it, you die. That's why there are plants that are toxic. That's why there are plants that can literally kill you because they're poisonous. And they can both look the same, but one can kill you and one can give you optimal nutrition. So I think I, we think we need to research the, the plants that we're eating, the exact co chemical composition of the plants, because there's research that shows that some plants can cause autoimmune diseases. Um, so I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think we can definitely uh, formulate an optimal diet on the, on the vegan diet. But again, it's got to be done the right way. Yeah, I think just to summarize this, again, I think the the main point here is that we're not anti-vegan. We're not anti-vegetarian. Um, we're just trying to make a point here that it's you have to be careful with, with these diets. You have to understand what you're doing. Do your research. Um, ask questions. Don't just go by what other people are saying, what you're hearing on the news, what you saw on, on uh, this news outlet. You have to do your research and understand that the vegan diet has harms, especially B12. That's a big one. B12 deficiency, protein deficiency, which we, we didn't really talk too much about either. But that's also very important to note that you're going to be protein deficient on the vegan diet. Mm -hmm. And please avoid processed foods, vegetable seed oils, sugars, and refined carbohydrates. If you're able to do those things, then I think a vegan diet is, is, could be a, a, an alternative for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Joe. Um, thank you all for listening to the Soto Health and Wellness Podcast today. If you like our content and want to learn more, please subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. Feel free to email us with any comments, questions, or a topic you would like for us to discuss at the SotoHWP at gmail.com. Follow us on YouTube and Instagram at the SotoHWP. We will see you next time. Be well.